and which way yeah, to go. One, one set is using a fact-based, and one is using you know something else. Yeah, exactly. And um, they don't, you know, and whether it's and to me at this point, once again, this kind of goes back into like the Nick Cannon thing. It's like at a certain point, I can't really empathize with the argument of oh, we didn't know any better, or we weren't blah blah blah. That y'all have access to anything you would need to enlighten yourselves or to know more about any of the stuff you want to talk about. But yeah. you actively, and not only do you not display that, when people try to bring up these criticisms, you immediately go into to just mocking the fuck out of them, just going into ad hominem, instead of addressing their criticisms or acknowledging you're wrong or really just dragging your feet to acknowledge that you were wrong, long after the damage is already done. Yep. You know. I would say that you should check out the, the the gray zone episode on this it's just like i feel like i feel like if it if it had been someone else saying it like you know it would be very different because there's there, there is like in my mind a very legitimate need to criticize israel but like it, yeah it's, it's it's like with, with nick cannon it's like the worst possible like speaker to present this case has been chosen exactly like someone who's not a subject matter expert Someone who probably hasn't ever been to the Middle East, or if they, you know, if he did, it was probably not for a very long time. Yes. And I don't know. I haven't, I haven't watched the interview itself, but I've watched the um, Max Blumenthal commentary on it. And I think that you should check it out because he, you know, he's he's very critical of Israel, and he. <clears throat> oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm he, Max Blumenthal in the gray zone. Yeah. Well, in, in summary of his critique, he essentially said that if he had said those things, he wouldn't have gotten in trouble because he knows the right words and he's a Jew. And it's like there's 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 been such a, a <laughs> giant uptick in right. Well, in, 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 in attacking, yeah, there's been a giant uptick in, in disingenuous uses of uh, calling something anti-Semitic, like where where something yeah. is anti like the uh, security and regional political goals of Israel, they're like, oh, that's anti-Semitic. And it's like, well, no, it's not. It's anti-Israel. Israel is a country where there's a lot of Jewish people, but, like, is being against Israel, therefore, you know, being against people who are Semitic or people who are Jewish? Yeah. No. Is Nick Cannon yeah. the person to discuss this? No. 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 Hell no. No, definitely, hell. definitely not Nick Cannon. No. No, No. absolutely. And uh, I am familiar like with... Joe Rogan-esque. No, ex exactly. You know, Joe Rogan is only slightly more rigorous um, in it. Like he he waited. I don't know if you saw it, but like he recently had Ben Shapiro on again. I think for at least oh, like either goodness. the third, either the third or the fourth time. And get this, he finally, he finally, um, because Ben Shapiro was trying to pitch this whole you know bullshit about Kaepernick and his whole reasoning for um, you know kneeling and everything. <clears throat> and so this was back in 2016, I, I believe, or 2015. And Rogan finally decides like tells jamie hey pull it up or whatever and they listen to it and you know like kaepernick you know he he initially had made a statement where he was just like oh why am i gonna stand for this flag you know blah 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 which you know is 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 very based but it pisses off you know liberals and centrists and the right wingers can use it you know blah 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 and then he had that talk with the vet and then he had that talk with the military veteran right in which he said he decided to start kneeling because it's a way to not muddy the waters and to get his message across more clearly. And, uh, you know, Joe Rogan played that clip or whatever and kind of like more or less settled it. But Ben Shapiro was still just kind of, well, you know, the earlier comment, the, 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 the earlier statement, you know, blah, 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 blah. like he was just still trying to hold on to that old fucking canard yeah. um, and, and, you know, and, pl and play that fucking angle. And it's like, thank goodness that Joe finally fucking did it. But it's like he should have yeah. been fucking doing this shit since his first appearances. Um, 
you know, because Ben Shapiro, because hell, because the thing is, it's like you can even take that same argument and be like, okay, so what about Jews or Israelites who are critical of the state of Israel or Benjamin Netanyahu? You know what I'm saying? Like, what if they, what if, the, what about the, uh, uh, you know, what about the Jews against that and stuff? Then the argument becomes, oh, they're not legitimate Jews. They're not yeah. real Jews. You know what I'm saying? Fucking Ben Shapiro, man. Oh my god. Uh, he just that's Oh yeah, of course. That's that's you know, but that's another tactic, and it's the same in any other group because because like I said, with the like the Nick Cannon example, he came out and apologized or whatever. You know, he's a little better about this stuff. But once again, there are plenty of black people who would not have stepped back from that topic, like Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. That's yeah. part of the whole fucking shtick. You know, what I'm saying he hasn't been as inflammatory in the last couple of decades for obvious reasons. Um, but this, but the but the fucked up things he has said. Um, are available to to go on research, so they're very unapologetically anti um, anti Semitic. Yeah, and playing into all that shit. And, and, and you you get some of his um, less than you know uh, well educated followers often you know repeating some very negative things in a very public manner, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is I mean, then it just you know, leads to caricatures and, and you know attacks on him, which fairly deserved. You know, Farrakhan he really opens himself up a lot, like you know. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But the thing is, this just goes back into the the use of um, of gatekeeping. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying, oh, based around identity. Um, but you know, I don't know how we got to this from parody and satire. But, um, um, I don't know. But, 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 ben, but, it was a long road. It was well, a long. Yeah, we were talking about Ben Shapiro and then Colin Kaepernick and then something else. Military guy. We were talking about enlightened century. We were talking about Matt. Um, I'm sorry, Max Blumenthal, yeah. and oh, criticizing Israel, yeah, and man. and and overusing basically woke essential. That's a basically an example of like woke essentialism of saying you're only criticizing me because of my identity and shit. But then when somebody of your yeah. own identity criticizes you in the same way, then you say, oh, you're not a. Then it becomes no true. You're Scotsman. not a real this. Yeah. Not a real this. Um, <clears throat> you know. But to get back to the sticking point of like satire and parody mm-hmm. is. And why I use South Park as an example is because they're not as bad as conservatives and right-wingers, but the reasons why they still miss the mark is clearly because of intent. Because, you know, basically they found a lane where they're like, hey, we can piss off both sides and just kind of ride this cash cow and be trolls. They were basically just trolls. Yes. You know, um, and they've made, you know, tons of fucking money. But I'm not mad in and of itself, um, but it's just seeing the impact and the ethics that they, that they kind of promoted. Um, yeah, and it's and, like the reason that they were given such a platform to do whatever they wanted is because they were never doing anything that really threatened anyone. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then you go over to to go back to our old friends uh, John Stewart and like Colbert, Stephen Colbert with the Colbert Report. Um, you know, these were. I mean, and the thing is, a lot of that stuff still stands up, especially when you think about like, you know, Colbert's um, Colbert's. Kind of, because and that's the thing about Colbert, the Colbert show is that like it was, he was obviously like parodying, uh, uh, talk show radio conservatives and whatnot. Yes. Excuse me, but then he was also adding in plenty of biting satire, where you laugh, but you but you're laughing not because the thing is inherently funny, but because it's exposing the contradiction in conservative thought and conservative behavior. You know, like show like you know, especially examples of like homophobic, you know. Um, 
you know, who, who you know, homophobic yeah. senators or whatever politicians who promote like uh, conversion therapy, and then they I, get I think caught. My favorite bit of his in that vein is the the Eleanor Holmes Noten bit, where he always claims to never, always claim to never see race, but he would always interview her, and he would always <laughs> be like, Mister, you know, something, something. Mm-hmm. Mister, yeah, you know, Mister, this he would always try to, ob- he would always obfuscate. Yeah, I need to stop using words that I haven't practiced yet. <laughs> yeah, obf- uh, he would obfuscate. 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 Okay, I was adding yes. an extra S. Okay, obfuscate. He would yes. play. In, he would play into that tactic that right wingers would use to obfuscate. You know what I'm saying? Talking about addressing a particular issue, but the way in which he did it was showing just how goofy it was on its face. Yeah. You know, like oh, you're engaging in this thing, but then you're saying that you don't engage in this thing. You know, um, and then of course the penultimate moment was when he went to go give the correspondence dinner at the, the White House correspondence dinner to H.W. Bush, and they didn't realize until then that like, oh, this dude's making fun of us, because at a critical level, there's a certain uh, level of of not just oh being liberal and being a lefty, but that when you genuinely engage with like embracing diversity. Um, looking for the gray within all the black of in black and white, not relying on pseudoscience, actually really wanting to um, relying on like psychology and sociology to help examine the world in more historical basis. Yeah. Those are the things that allow one to play with parody and satire in a way that gives you moral consistency and effectiveness. Yes, and allows your critiques to be informed instead of amphisted yes. directions. Yes, and so that's why you can go out there like a Stephen Colbert. Unfortunately, even though he's become, you know, just kind of more of a liberal dim. Um, yeah, they, they neutered him once they took him off of Comedy Central. It was sad. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't be so passive about it. I think that you yeah. know, kind of would have exposed kind of why like John Stewart kind of you know bailed out and why Colbert went in is because like Colbert was kind of already leaning towards that, um, yeah. or at least just wanted to keep his name. Um, he just, well, he wanted, just to, wanted to get he paid. He just wanted to get paid and be relevant. You know, yeah. it could just be that. And then John Stewart, obviously, he's like, you know, he tried to do the Return the Sanity tour, and I think that one of the reasons why he hasn't returned to that shit is because he kind of realized that um, it, it wasn't really effective and that it really wasn't going to help bring about the changes that he knew needed to happen. Yeah. Um, but in any case, um, you know, that, that, that was the beauty of them because they were able to take in all this stuff. And you could never say, even as good as their criticisms got, uh, especially Colbert – even as wild as the things he said, most people who were left or liberal never mistook him for being a right winger. Because, yes. because, because he understood Poe's law very well. Ex- yes, it, we got it. However, one of the reasons why he was able to get away with becoming doing the correspondence dinner is because there was this inherent uh, inability for anybody on that side. Because there's plenty. Because there's plenty of intelligent. There's plenty of like genuinely effective, intelligent fascists. Um, authoritarians, you know, right wingers and conservatives and whatnot, right? But yeah. they, but because they had this block in their mind and their ethics of shunning diversity of thought, shunning um, rigorous intellectualism um, and inquiry, it was only at the, it was only until after the fact that they realized, oh shit, we're being mocked by this fucking guy. Uh, and that's when the, and that's when like the White House Correspondents' Dinner have become so politicized ever since. Yeah, and then there was that one uh, that the woman did about Trump, and then everyone lost their goddamn minds about it. All the conservative oh. media was like, "Ah, oh, ah, oh, humor!" Ah. It's uh, uh, Michelle Wolf, which 
which and it the wasn't thing even is, that spicy. It was it was edge lordish. It was like super yeah. like teenage edge lord. I was like, dude, this is shit that we were saying to each other in high school. Is this really what you fucking grown ass adults are like yeah. getting? But I think that actually kind of underscores that like that really is reflective of how people's sense of humor is, of how most people are. Like most people really do just have like a fifteen year old sense of humor. And some people actually thought that that was funny. Exactly. And people actually, some of them actually, I've read this on the internet, watch SNL. (laughs) Bro, I've been asking my friends that watch SNL why. Like I've seen, you know, I've seen, like there's been some highlights and shit. um, But the thing is that to me, I just just take that from the highlight reel. I don't need to watch the whole game. Yeah, they they, they usually do one funny joke every season. Mm -hmm. Every season? (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes too. Sometimes too. That's right. That's right. You know, I don't uh, know. There's stuff you just you look back at it. It just doesn't hold up. Like it's like like if you go go everybody go watch the Dick in the Box video. You will not get the same warm feeling inside as you did the first time. No, it's um. The magic is gone. Yeah, I mean, and the, and the thing is, is that like this isn't even to say like oh every joke should age well. It's, you know, some jokes yeah. are only meant to some things are only meant to be laughed about for like a week or two. You know, yeah. what I'm saying be, you know, and that's fine. But it's um it's when that stuff is held up as the standard or being like. Oh, this is a work of great genius. Because you know what I just saw the other you know what I just saw the other day? What? Justin Timberlake won a Grammy for that song. For that song? Oh wait, I think oh it my been, I, hold on. Goodness. I think it, I think it might have been Lonely Island in general. Well it's still <sighs> Yeah, wow. it, yeah. But th- but but once again, that's you know th- that's the right the, is always talking about the cultural disintegration of the United States. But what about that fucking shit? Oh, actually, excuse me, this is even more uh, illustrious. Um, the Lonely Island won a 2007 Emmy Award for Outstanding Original Music and Lyrics for their video, Dick in a Box. <laughs> Holy fuck. You know, which, like I said, I'm not hating the hustle. If they're going to give out awards for that, I'm just yeah. kind of – I just also think that like – It's just really stupid. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, but, but in any case, <clears throat> but in any case yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's a different issue than I was touching on. But, but to wrap it up, like with the whole satire and parody thing yeah. is – there is still a – oh, I guess this is kind of like the last part I'll bring up about it is – so obviously I outlined why not all instances – just because you call something satire or parody doesn't mean it's going to be accepted and interpreted and such and doesn't mean that the quality of your satire and parody is worthy of appraisal or praise, praiseworthy. Um, the other thing is that there is a stark visible divide between the ability of left-wingers and liberals – versus right-wingers and conservatives in being able to engage with satire and parody because of the way in which they engage in their daily life and their general ethics and values. And then the third thing I want to add, which kind of of goes into all of this, is that there is a a lot of – because a lot of entertainers like to skirt this line. Is there a moral consideration that entertainers should take into the platforming creation of their art? I, as an inter- as somebody who creates content and has been, you know, you know, consider myself a creative type or an artist or whatever for most of my life, a hundred percent, I I think that way. Now that that doesn't mean to say um, that like, oh, if somebody says they listened to your album or saw your painting and then went out and stabbed somebody, that you also get charged with murder or you know, uh, uh, you also get charged. Yeah. What it's saying is that is that recognizing that. If you are somebody that thinks about art seriously, that what you reckon, that what we all recognize about art is that it is stimulating to the senses, yeah. right? It is about evo- that all art is, 
um, is about evoking certain emotions and certain thoughts in a person. And so you cannot go in the same breath and say that, yes, I am trying to evoke a certain set of emotions and thoughts and behavior in people. And then when some people use your invocations as justification for a certain set of behavior, you can't just completely dust your hands and walk away and be like, well, it wasn't me or, you know, you can't, you know, you can't, you have to address that. Yeah, you have to be responsible for and intellectually honest about the creation of your art. Right, exactly. Um, and a good example of this is Alex Jones. Oh, goodness. You know, because the thing is about Alex Jones is, you know, he's played into this image and shit, and he, and he went to – he had to go to court and shit and fight because <clears> – yeah. so what's happened um, in the last several years is that, like, Alex Jones has really gone full right wing, and so playing into these conspiracy theories about le- liberals and left wingers and, and, and all this other shit. And one of the most – two of the most important ones, significant ones, was – excuse me, was him – Claiming that the school, that the shooting, which killed, I forget which one the it is. Sandy Hook shooting was the a Sandy Hook shooting. Actors or is it was a ho- exactly, and this resulted in his followers. Uh, and the thing is, this wasn't just like a one-off thing. He repeated this for years until he got taken to court, yeah. um, and he's been successfully sued for that. But basically, like the parents have been harassed, um, they've been threatened with violence. A lot of them had to move um, because his followers and the people who fought, who believe in his shit. They were provoked, like, oh, you're, 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 you're playing into... Um, uh, they would come harass the, the parents of the little child shooting victims. And it was yes. Blood. Yes, they would come and harass the, 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 the parents of the, of the shooting victims, the kid, yeah, of these children. And yeah. they would say that, no, you didn't bury your children. You're just, this is just a psyop, you know, saying this is a way for you to try to fool us. You're working with the government, you know, blah, 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 right? And so he's been successfully sued for that. And, when, and, and uh, of course, his excuse was, hey, I'm just playing a character. This isn't really mean. It's just like, no, bro, you – the, the time to make that divide is way too far past. Yeah, he's not that stupid. He just plays with it on TV. Exactly, exactly. Um, he, he knows what he's playing with. He knows who he's provoking. Like, it's mm-hmm. – you don't just get to be like, oh, I had no idea. It's like, like with the PewDiePie shit with, yes. with uh, racism and anti-Semitism. He's like, oh, you know, I paid some um, – you know, Aboriginal uh, Australians to write something anti-Semitic on a sign and then dance around with it for five minutes. Isn't that so funny? Ha, 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 ha. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, guess what? Your channel is primarily seen by, um, you know, children and especially, you know, like uh, women, like children's and like teenagers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't – I would not – continue to allow that guy to be in charge of stuff. But that's why I'm not in charge of a platform, you know, because I would, I, would, I would run it into the ground trying to be morally consistent, and it would not be a profitable capitalist enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> it, wouldn't have, it wouldn't be as profitable. Yeah, it wouldn't be a – it wouldn't be a – I forgot who said it, but it's just like they said that like all industries, that once you get to a certain level, it's all built on bullshit, that there's just certain levels you can't uh, attain unless you're pitching bullshit. Because if you're trying to make an honest dollar, there's only so much you can get out of trying to spin an honest dollar. Yeah, you gotta fuck somebody over to become a billionaire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fuck somebody over, or you gotta play. You gotta create a need. You have to fabricate a need. Yeah. You know, which I mean, like that's that, all. Like I mean, that Bernays guy with on. the diamonds and shit from the beginning. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. absolutely. And the th- and the thing is, like, when you look, when you think about it, like anything beyond food and housing, and you know, a minimum amount of you know, um, healthcare or whatever. Everything is subjective, but uh, as far as taste and preferences go, but some taste and preferences lead to 
worse or better um, objective outcomes for the consumer and society at large, right? Um, and some things yep. to even go further with that, we like beyond like the outcome of the thing, like we're often like just like full uh, cloth or from whole cloth sold things that we don't need. Like, yeah, just really don't. Yeah. Absolutely. Like yeah, going absolutely. on cruises or like shit like that, you know, or Furbies or or, or Instagram. <laughs> that's just a funny. That's just a funny contrast you made between like cruises and Furbies, you know. And yeah. I just thought it was funny. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, and and the thing is, it's it's you know, it, that's the difficult thing because it's like you know, how do you you know when you curb certain indulgences and say like, oh, you know. What if I want to go tour around the world and whatnot? It's like, you know, can you do that without having to get on a cruise ship because of all the damaging effects that we know it has and all the – And uh, just yeah. to, to me, I wouldn't go on a cruise ship just of how often they seem to fuck up. Like they just don't yeah, seem to be – Yeah, all kind of like shit in the media all the time about stuff going wrong with them. Yeah, I'm just like – I'm just like this doesn't seem like a fun time. Like I'm already not the best person to just like be over like water and shit um, in yeah. the middle of deep, you know, fucking bodies of water. And then, How would you like to be on the coast of California for four months while they try to figure out what happens to all the people on the ship you're on? Oh my God! I, uh, I, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but but in any case, <laughs> but in any case, <laughs> but uh, um, but in any case, the thing I was really ending on was the morality of being a creator and the morality of framing and. You know how far you could get away with that excuse of, oh, I'm just an artist. I'm just here doing my own thing. I'm just an idiot here with a microphone and a and a and a platform where only 20 people listen to me. But yeah, but like out of those 20 people, three of them went and did like some fucking shootings, or they beat their fucking partner, or they, you know, did some shit. And for some reason, they've only been listening to your content for the last six months. So we're working with the only, we're trying to connect the only dots that we have to work with here. Yeah. You know? Then then you get into the whole realm of stochastic violence. Yes, yes, you know, um, yeah, stochastic violence for those that, that aren't familiar, which is just basically how ideas and behaviors are not directly um, told out loud, but they are insinuated. And one of the ways that this is done and why somebody like an Alex Jones or like South Park is super effective at like this shit, Trump. or like Trump, is that they give you a kernel of truth. There's always going to be a hint of truth at the at you know in, in, um, um, along with the bullshit. It's mo it's going to be mostly bullshit. They'll tell you because like Trump will get out there and say something like, "Oh, you know, um, immigration is a important issue," you know, in our country, and it's like, "Well, yeah, of course, duh," but go on. And then he'll say, "Oh, Mexicans are rapists, or they're not saying, you know, uh, uh, this group is this, this group is that." And it's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." And then you get a lot of dishonest actors or just idiots who are like, who will go into, oh, so what? So you don't think uh, immigration is an important issue? You think it's just the open borders? And then you're stuck yeah. trying to defend a straw man, yeah. you know? And then you just get into this cycle of trying to defend points you never fucking brought up. And oftentimes because this shit happens in situations where the opposition doesn't even have the same access to the, to the platform, it, it looks as if you automatically lost by de facto because you can just have the microphone taken away from you. Which is something that uh, another figure, Ben Shapiro, does. Oh God! Yeah. You know, he never does. He never does equal debates with people that are of his stature or better. Yeah. It's always people that are less developed uh, than him, or or that he thinks are less developed than him. Exactly, or less developed. In which case, hilarity ensues. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is why he's cut back on the debates and shit. But but it's, you know, once again, the morality of 
not just parody and satire, but creating content, putting it out there with the intent of shaping people's minds and emotions and claiming ownership of that um, when things go and – not, and not just being there for the spoils of when things are going right. You have to also address when things go completely fucking wrong. You know, a lot of people – I have a lot of known black friends, and a lot of them have been coming to me and expressing different you know, opinions and trying to understand this and that, blah, 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 blah. And some of them have even – you know, there's a sense of hesitation in them even wanting to bring it up because they kind of feel bad of either being ignorant of this stuff or that they have to come and ask, like, okay, what direction should we go in? You know, now, personally, I just enjoy – I'm a person who is just very curious into themselves. Uh, I'm just a very curious person about the world and about others. So, you know, I'm somebody who's always liking to ask questions and uncover shit. So I just naturally appreciate when anybody comes to me for anything. Yeah. Um, but there's also this sentiment amongst plenty of other people, black activists. They're like, no, it's not up to black people to teach you. You need to go and read this yeah. book. But no, don't read that book. You need to go and read this other book. Or no, don't watch that movie. Go watch this other thing. And I'm just like, people have to <laughs> – we, we, we can talk all day about like, oh um, – this resource is available and that resource is available. But guess what? People don't just operate off of what is most readily accessible or most um, – uh, They're not going to go read the, like, six books about political theory you tell them to go read. That's not going to happen. No, they're going to go to the six people that they know that they feel vulnerable with, whom they know that they can talk about this stuff with to lead them in the direction. Yeah. Because this is basically – and basically what this principle is is just about word of mouth. You know what I'm saying? Which this, – this is the way in which – most people get on board with anything. It's through word of mouth. And so I don't think that this issue will be any different. Yeah. Now, I get the argument of people, you know, whether it's you know, feminists or, or LGBT people or trans people, of being like, look, we're so frustrated already and we're already so exhausted from day-to-day bullshit. We don't also have time to talk you know, about yeah. these things and answer all these different questions. And so this is why you have people who publish books like White Fragility or um, you know, any of the other things that are coming out. Yeah, this is a debate that I've had a little bit with one of my um, childhood friends mm-hmm. who is from Little Rock, mm-hmm. and she's a black woman, but we, you know, we've always, always been really tight. We went to the hippie church together. Yeah. And, I don't know, we just hung out a lot, but, like, there, there's this uh, term, like, emotional labor, which mm-hmm. yeah. is, it's, 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 it's like the word problematic, not in the terms of the definition, but in terms <laughs> of the use of the word in the context of people who are interested, I don't know, let's say loosely, in like social justice or left politics. Yeah. Like in that there's there's two different ways that it's used. Like like problematic formerly was like referring to a difficult problem. Like the human genome or decoding the human genome is problematic. And now it's like uh like calling a trans person by like a dead name pronoun is problematic. Mm-hmm. Like that it's, I guess it refers now to like a societal problem or to a behavior which you do not like that someone else presents. In the same way, I would say that the, the, the terminology emotional labor, this is the debate that I had with my friend, mm-hmm. like it, it was originally conceived to refer to the, the prospect of working in a service job okay. or a retail job or something or whatever, and then a customer comes up to you and is a piece of shit, and you just have to soak it up and smile and like be chirpy. Mm. Just, just deal with it. Because, yeah. you know, that, that, that can take a little bit of an emotional toll on you if you're working a really bad job and someone's just horrible to you in a mm-hmm. fashion that's, like, you know, not to scale and not appropriate for someone who works at a coffee shop. Someone will, like, 
like, I don't know, I brought this up when we were talking before. Like, someone would scream at me at Starbucks about a cup of coffee, and I would be like, nice, it's a cup of coffee, thanks. I'd feel bad because you yelled at me for 15 minutes. Like, the term emotional labor has also been applied to requesting, you know, explanations of social theory, you know, by people who are not as educated on the left, requesting them from, you know, typically from uh, black or people of color explaining them. And it's like, like those, again, those are, you know, there, there's there's a certain um, emotional toll that that can take if you have to, like, go on a really long discussion about that. Mm-hmm. Or I would say, especially if you're engaging with someone in bad faith, but, yes. you know, you, you're going to hear people use these words and you're going to hear them mean both things. And sometimes mm-hmm. they won't know that the other one is not using the same definition of yes. the word. And that could easily and regularly does blow up into a big, dumb um, left book fight. Like the racism, like the racism thing we uh, earlier. Exactly, like the two definitions of racism. Like the the rational thing for people who are like interested in serious debate is to, you know, define their terms and clarify their positions. And if they don't agree, they can you know hash out where they do and don't and move on. And if if they if they're not going to do that, they're just going to sit there and yell at one another. Uh, oh, yeah, emotional, emotional labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I was saying that you know like me having worked as an employee at Starbucks. Like, you know, I brought up my definition of emotional labor, and my friend Ashanti, having explained things to irritating white people on the internet, brought up the other definition of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and I guess we, you know, we clarified our definitions, and we said that we, you know, didn't necessarily accept that, but then we just moved yeah. on. Like, that was, like, pretty much the end of it. But. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, <clears throat> I think at the end, it's, it's you know, I think at the end, um, so, so, so yeah, like stuff like emotional labor and problematic. Now, for one, I'm not against the, uh, I'm not against the redefining of things, a redefinition of stuff, or like you know using the same term and appropriating it for something else. Yeah, being sensitive um, to the change of its use over time. Yeah, absolutely. All this stuff is fluid, yeah. but I feel that in certain cases that some words or some 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 uh, I feel like sometimes the words that we use to describe these things are so charged or so complex that it's easier or better to just use a completely different set of phrasing for that. So it's not to say that like oh if if, if somebody is repeatedly dead naming a trans person or using the wrong pronouns over even after being told what they really want to hear um that problematic we, there should be maybe another word that we use for that. Um, you know, obviously, the, you know, another one that didn't really catch on as much was um, was um, was um, ah shit. What, what was that? Uh, microaggressions. Oh yeah. Which, which even though a lot of people laughed at that and, and mocked it, to me that was actually like, to me that's more of my lane. That's more of like what I agree with, of what I acknowledge that like I wouldn't call that behavior against a trans person problematic, I would say that you're committing microaggressions because you realize what you're doing, you're being, you're pushing them, but it's not the same level of, of, you know, bigotry as like calling them a tranny or calling them, you know, a man in a woman's dress or something like that, a man in a dress, you know, yeah. stuff like that. But it's still, but you're still trying to, it's basically like the, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you, yeah. you know, stuff that kids do to each other. Um, so, and then like the emotional labor, you know, um, 
yeah, I get. Wait, so wait, so wait a minute. So explain again the the different definitions of emotional labor. Because to me, I'm just thinking. To me, I'm just thinking of like anything that exhausts you emotionally. You know, whether well, it's mean, on the job or a relationship or or just waiting too long at a traffic light. Yeah, it's it's, it's not so much that the definitions are necessarily contrary. It's just that the the one of them came first, and that there is the the specific context in which it existed, which you know makes it relevant to differentiate the two words like one of them specifically referring to the workplace mm-hmm. and then the other phenomenon being like most of the places I've seen people being like fuck you pay me I'm not going to explain that to you as well <laughs> not like engaging with them in good faith like if they're like yes well you know I'm a sea lion like if they're sea lioning or some shit like that like this yes. doesn't apply like if you know if, if when they're really skirting around the edges of an argument and not even willing to, you know, firmly say, all right, well, simply, I don't accept your premise. Like, right. And you, yes. And actually, as a matter of fact, um, um, not to rehash this too much, but to me, this is a this is to me, this is actually the prime example of woke essentialism. You have a lot of people who they are able to wear the mantle of or where the they're able they're able to grasp and talk about issues of like, you know, issues affecting them as black people or as women or as you know trans or whatever, and then. They, but then they center their, then they center their own experiences and their own trauma and victimization within that sphere, as if the other respective parties along them. Because, like I said, I could talk to other black people and disagree about, like, and talk and 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 you know agree about you know like police brutality and you know anti-black racism and shit. But then some other black folks might say something homophobic, and then all pipe up and then it, all of a sudden it went from I'm a brother and I'm down to oh you ain't really white or you have dual loyalties you know yeah. what I'm saying shit like that and then the same situation happens here where you have a super woke person whom yeah they may be genuinely dealing with shit as a marginalized group but then they're taking that and when somebody comes up and, and who isn't as familiar because their life hasn't been conditioned you know by these same set of experiences and stuff instead of even approaching people who are acting in good faith they respond with "fuck you, pay me," and you know it's not my obligation to teach you. Blah 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 blah. But you know what the problem with that is? What? Well, well, first of all, is that oftentimes what it shows to me is a lack of ability for that person to genuinely engage with shit because they'll be running their mouths off because you'll see these threats and people will be talking about you can't say this because of that. Blah blah blah. And then somebody will actually start asking real questions like okay, describe this thing to me. Tell me what the difference between blah 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 blah. Like really concrete shit, right? Yeah, and they're actually talking about the details of the question. Details of the question and then they'll completely ignore them or that's when they bail out and say, "Oh, fuck you, pay me," or I don't, you know, you know, blah yeah. blah, blah which of course nobody's going to do. Are um, you saying that people on left book, sometimes pretend to know more than they know. <laughs> well, maybe that would come as a surprise to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, is left? What is left book? Is that a thing, or is that just? Oh, um, well, it's I don't know. It's like sort of a general term for all of like the like left uh, discussion and commentary and shit that exists on Facebook. There's like there were a bunch of whole bunch of groups, and then the spiciest ones were gradually deleted and banned. Right. Yeah. Okay. 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 Like, I wasn't, okay. I wasn't aware of the term left book. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's it's, it's a, a particular to only people from left book use the word left book. <laughs> <laughs> if you know, you know. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so there's on. like there's like right book, there's um, religious book, there's flat earth book, there's like there's uh, like okay. even like within left book, there's also like left Jew book as well. There's there's all of these like political domains. Right. Right. Okay. It's just the different domains, like as you said, in the in Facebook sphere. Yeah, like uh, the, the colloquialism for referring to all those groups. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, oh, the point I was trying to make is that. So while these people may not have a grasp of the actual theory in and of itself, they may not actually be academics. They just, you know, got a head wrap and learn a few hot terms on Twitter and, and you know, whatever, and they're really fiery online. Um, but they don't actually know that they can't actually describe the nuts and bolts because they don't understand the nuts and bolts themselves. Yeah. But what they do understand, well, what they do understand is how identity can be weaponized and can be used as leverage to give themselves power. Um, playing off of white guilt and playing off the genuine good faith acting of certain um, other non-black of non of just whatever group of people you're trying to convince to be on your side and be allies, um, because there are quite a few people who are in good faith trying to become good allies, but there's also abuse of that shit happening by these left-wing figures, you know, um, you know, and I do and I do feel like that we are coming to it. I think I do think that there is a genuine issue of of People who are claiming to want to gain allyship with others, not actually meeting them halfway and just giving empty rhetoric and platitudes, which is the same criticism that they have of liberal identity politics for just valuing tokenism and not real representation. Yeah, instead you know? of you know having read enough of the books to be able to give someone a concrete deconstruction of what's going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. They haven't read the theory. They haven't read any papers. They haven't gone to any seminars. They haven't even tried. They just got a few of the uh, – they, they just got – they picked up on the theater. They picked up on how they got to dress. They picked up on how they have to talk. They picked up on how they have to tweet and what trigger words they have to use. But as soon as you ask them for any details, it's – what it always turns into is that, oh, you're personally attacking me. Why are you questioning me? It's like, no, I'm questioning your ideas, these values that you claim to have in a spouse. But yeah. if you don't really understand them, you shouldn't be fucking saying them out loud. Yeah. Oh, you're just saying that because I'm a black woman. You're just saying that because I'm trans. I'm saying that because you're a fucking idiot and a bad faith actor and a charlatan. <laughs> you know? Um, but the you're Joanne Reed. Yeah, you're jo Joanne Reed or, or, or fucking Don Lemon or any of these fucking goofballs, you know? Yeah. Um, but the real problem with this shit is... Or um, Jason Johnson. Or Jason, yeah, oh God. Okay. He's yeah. super fucking toxic. Um, but the real problem that this creates, a real yes. fundamental one, is kind of the one that helped Trump get elected. Because motherfuckers were so focused on the moral grandizing and not really giving concrete solutions on how to move things forward that a left-winger, a left-booker will say, I don't have to expend my emotional labor for free or fuck you, pay me to the screen or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But who's giving that shit away for free? Who is welcoming people into their church for free to radicalize, you know what I'm saying? For Well, well not for free in the long run, but they're at least inviting them yeah. in at the front end to be like, hey, come in. We'll talk to you. We'll we'll." Well, that, that would be the problematic Jesus freaks. It's, it, it's the Jesus freaks. It's the alt-right. It's the, uh, you know, yeah, exactly, the fundamental, the religious fundamentalists, the corporate elitists, and the uh, uh, right-wing reactionaries, the alt-right. All of which conveniently are a Venn diagram. Exactly, because they learned earlier on than left-wingers that, oh, the only way we're going to face – the only way we're going to have power in this society because we're each minorities is we have to consolidate ourselves. 
the same way in which whiteness was the consolidating faction power for white Europeans in America. This is just happening at the, you know, this is just happening at the, this is just happening in the cultural war sphere. Yep. You know, um, and so they're what's happening? They're fighting over cultural whiteness. They're fighting. They're, they're fighting they're over taking all the people who get yelled at on the left book, and they're like, like, why did they get yelled at? Because you're white. It's like that's not really that. Mm-hmm. But, or because you're a man, or because you're Christian, or because you know, whatever. Yeah. However um, you feel persecuted, we will find a way. Exactly. To and, make um, you the victim. Yeah, and the thing is, is that, and, and the thing is, that one of the reasons they've been so effective is because once again, left wings, left wingers, and liberals, yeah. they talk about how things are fucked up, but a lot of them don't actually know how to fix things, and they don't know how to actually be inviting to others. They don't know how to convey to others that, because here's because here's what I would hear if I was a regular white person who didn't know shit from shit, right? And I run into, and I happen to run into a right wing reactionary and a left wing um, wokey, right? Yeah. Awoke. <laughs> I've heard that one thrown around a little bit too. Yeah. Um, here's here's what I think my breakdown or my understanding would be. The right wing would say, "Hey," or excuse me, the left wing would say, "This system is fucked up. You benefit." And, I'm, and if I'm a white person, right? Um, the left wing would sound like, "Hey, this system is fucked up, and you benefit directly from this system." Um, you're privileged, and I would be like, well, I'm just actually a lower-class white person. I'm kind of struggling in many respects, and, and you know, but I get that there are other people who are struggling in different ways. No, fuck you. You're white. You're not, you know, you're privileged, blah, 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 blah. That's a lot of what the left sounds like, right? And then but, then, but then it would also be like, hey, you benefit from this system, but it's fucked up. You have to change it. Well, why would I want to change a system that I supposedly could benefit from and all you other people whom – uh, are, are rallying against the system um, are treating me this way and not giving me a chance to really, you know, say my piece or talk about my struggles because I'm, you know, yeah. white. And then on the other side, you have the right wingers who are saying, hey, they're telling you this system, this system is kind of fucked up, but here's a way in which you could benefit from it. And we're not going to tell you to take down your memes or to, that you're racist. We're not going to just be jumping down your throat and telling you just because you're white that your, your life is fine. If I'm, if I'm just a regular person who doesn't really have much understanding of this shit and I already don't have the best education and best upbringing, I can tell you nine times out of ten, I'm probably going to be listening to the right-winger shit more often. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because the there, thing is that – There's definitely the, a failure to understand uh, like just, just tactics of propaganda. Mm-hmm. Like, like you, you, could, you could say whatever you want about the validity of those critiques, but mm-hmm. just tactically it leaves so much to be desired. Absolutely. Exactly. They, and they, they don't get it because, once again, they get so caught up in the – this is once <laughs> this has to be something else I talk about in another, I don't know, video essay or podcast topic. But the difference between people being able to separate moral clarity and consistency from effectiveness because obviously I agree – I would agree more morally, ethically with the left-wingers. But be like you're effect- but be like y'all are not effective at being able to get people on our side and show them why they should even buy into our values and our way of life or looking at at looking at the world um, because of how hostile and disingenuous you seem to be at. Whereas the right wingers, I don't agree with them damn near on anything morally, ethically, but they are effective at at, at helping their target audience see a way forward in life. And a, a way to live a content life um, 
in this world with things as they are. Because ultimately, that is what people are trying to do on either side. They are trying to find a place to belong, a place that is inviting to them, a place, a group of people that is reflective of the values and the things that they care about. Yep, that's one of the things that the CIA coup manual says about uh, <laughs> recruiting people for your... They're right. They're if right. Someone is, someone's a dick to one of your people, they probably ain't coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's also why, that's why it's also so funny why they started getting back into torture. Because at some point you have to realize that torture is really just a tool of, of – it's really just recreation for sadistic people. Because you don't get – because anybody, if, you, if you're torturing them and you got fucking um, uh, clamps on their lips and shit, they'll tell you anything that you want to hear to take that shit off. So you're yeah. not going to get consistent, reliable information through that method. You know. Um, because I'm sure like the FBI and the CIA and everything, like they don't just always go in and barge down fucking doors. They seduce people. They tell you, hey, we know you've been treated like this. We know maybe you know, your life wasn't going well. We'll give you blah, 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 blah. You, know, you ever had a beer before? You ever had a good fucking cooked steak? So long, you know, steak or whatever the fuck. You have to seduce people and show them why they can benefit from being on your side. You don't get people on your side just by telling them, oh, don't you want to be on the right side of history? Yeah. Does, does the right side of history come with does the right side of history come with the full fridge? Does the right side of history come with the network of people whom I can be vulnerable and communicate with and grow with? Does being on the right side of history guarantee me some uh, way of making a living in this fuck up, fucked up society? And lefties yeah, it's totally non-material. It's non-material. It's no. It's those non-material things, and and that's the problem that a lot of lefties have is that we're over reliant on the moral argument and over reliant on the material argument. You gotta have you gotta have a spiritual argument. You have to. Yeah, because people don't want a you know a rational economic argument that makes sense and holds up. They want you know something to to care about. Well, I would, well once again I wouldn't say I don't I don't go so far as to say people don't want that, but that you know just like you can't just live off of just just like you can't just live off of of off of um um. Just like, yeah, even though you only need water to live, there's nothing wrong with enjoying a cup of coffee or enjoying a beer or enjoying a cup of juice or tea and whatnot, right? Yeah. And if that's what you want and if that's what you want and it's readily available over here, then you're going to go get that. You're going to go and buy yourself fucking, you know, a couple of drinks or whatever, you know? So it's less about not people not, you know, not wanting a good financial argument. It's them like, look, we understand the financial argument, but that's not the only thing that's important. You know, because there's plenty of people who have money, but then still end up killing themselves or become drug addicts or just spiral. You know, they go down a really deep, dark spiral because at a certain point, all that money, the material argument only gets you so far. So you need that. You need people to have a sense of spiritual belonging. And that's super hard when you're dealing with people who are largely not religious, largely don't consider themselves spiritual per se. Um, But that doesn't change the fact that you still have these non-material needs. That's sorry, yawning. Oh, I know it's I know it's getting late over there. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would definitely reinforce what you're saying about like spiritual needs for for both movements and for peoples in society is like like I would say that we we crave moral leadership and that we crave you know rational and truthful frameworks and mm-hmm. that that that's what the left can substitute in mm-hmm. place of uh, you know a religious zealotry as a rational framework that we can 
you know, we might have to dumb it down or simplify it or present it in a certain way, but that explains the world and that, you know, gives people an idea of who is working for them, who is working against them, what their interests are. I don't know. I've, <laughs> I just don't find a lot of people that are super interested in sitting through that. You know, I could, uh, I could explain their class position to them in like a minute, but like they have to be interested in that. They have to view it as important. Uh, we, we we can't just tell them they're going to hell, you know. It's, it's a cop out for the the fundies and the Christian fascists. Oh yeah, I'm right I... because God says I'm right. We don't we don't have a God to dangle over people on the left. We don't. But what people try to substitute the God for is their political, um, the materialism, right? The material dialectic. So there's like the obviously there's the more shallow, superficial, like liberal version of just leaning into all indulgences blindly and just buying into the system. And then, of course, there's the left-wing one where we still have to consume, but we try to do more, um, there's more strains of, like, minimalism or more strains of, like, denial of certain indulgences um, that's kind of taken on. But, here, but here's, I guess here's, like, the way I would, I would square that circle of talking about spirituality, is that, to me, this right here is part of the spiritual, my spiritual, because I'm not a spiritual person, I'm not a religious person, but in, in terms of, like, Oh, what keeps me motivated? What gives me life? What keeps me, you know, what I'm saying going through day to day? It isn't just, it isn't just talking about economic class issues, material shit. It's waking yeah. up. To, it's waking up to texts and messages back from my friends and my family. It's the ability to be able to walk around in my neighborhood and just pass by my neighbors or pass by each other and just be able to nod and wave and just have a very relaxed, um, calm walk around my neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Like it's these little things that give spiritual fulfillment because it, it gives you a sense of of community and belonging and that things around you are reflective of your values and how you think the world should be yeah you know and so to me the way that i would answer that question of like okay how do we get spirituality into the left with people whom are largely don't consider themselves religious or spiritual or they buy into like some astrology or some other type of woo you know yeah um to, to me to me i think what we have to lean into then is lean into the humanism and lean into cultivating human um, interaction with one another. You know, whether that's the basis of, because I get spiritual fulfillment from playing in my bands. I get spiritual fulfillment from talking to my comedian buddies and just cracking jokes about bullshit and not thinking about political stuff as deeply as I am now. But those are different levels of fulfillment, but they all, but they all come together to give me that ultimate satisfaction. Yeah. And, and, so to, to, and so to me, it's like, you know, what will be like the lefty church? The lefty church will be, um, I don't know. I think, I, think, I think there are plenty of lefty church that exist as these podcasts. I think there are lefty establishments that exist as these, um, these, um, these diff there's spirituality happening at these protest movements, um, you know, where people are all coming together and, and realizing that we all have these shared interests and goals, blah, 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 blah. I think that what we're seeing now with the cultivation of these different spaces and different actions and whatnot, um, it's kind of like the same way we saw the left kind of coalesce around Bernie Sanders, where everybody was just kind of acting independently and didn't really know if we were going to be able to make really big steps, moves forward, move forward. And then Bernie comes through, and it kind of gives us all a sense of direction and kind of also tells each other that, hey, we got this own thing going on over here. What about we link up? What about we share information? What about we blah, 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 in the same way that right-wingers had gotten down decades ago. 
so, so now we're starting to pick it up and we're having to, you know, build it up. But I think to me, we're lefty, we're left wing or, you know, non-spiritual people get this shit from is that we have to really lean into the humanism yeah. of just general human interaction. I think that another uh, source of that is the, I guess I would say the the moral clarity of the recent rounds of protests. Mm-hmm. That like, you know, like our, our lives and the things that we view as important and our connections to each other, like they all flow back into that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like our, our, our collective refusal to accept, you know, the murder of all these, like, you know, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and, you know, hundreds of other people who didn't do fucking anything, like, that is 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 where that principle can be derived and left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I agree 100%. And, um, you know, it's it's a shame that, you know, this conversation seems to only be getting, you know, relevant now. Um yeah. You know, as a matter of fact, this is something that unfortunately that, you know, Michael Brooks, who had recently passed, and apparently it was from a blood clot, but um, uh-huh. he's only 37, you know. But, um, but this is one of the things that he was turning his focus on um, in the last couple of years was addressing this issue of spirituality. Because clearly even people who call themselves not spiritual or religious, they still do things. Um, they, they, lean, they just lean into other things. Yeah. You know, that substitute as that, and then they end up becoming fanatics, just trading in one sort of fanaticism for another. But it's like, no, we need to be able to find a place where people can engage with shit and then not lead into um, – that it's, it's kept very eye level, but that it's kept at a very human level. Because you know, then people start talking about transcendence and not being of this world and being beyond – Eclecticism you know, and esotericism yeah. and the death traps of the left intellectual thought. Yeah, exactly, and and there's so many lefties that are into astrology and shit like that, and um, it's 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 and it's like once again, I get I try not try not to be too critical because everybody's just working within their understanding to make sense of the world, but you know, once again, I'm somebody who I know I want to take the reins in some to some degree, yeah. and that I think that there's a lot of value in my ideas and my perspective, and I want to help that shit spread, you know. Um, so that's so that's the angle I'm getting at. So like yeah, whether it's talk, whether it's the protest, whether it's these one-on-one conversations, um, you know, and, and these podcasts, the development of this of how many left-wing people have been able to develop with these video essays and um, you know really engaging with uh, uh, people in this way. But really, what it comes down to is convincing other people, showing other people the value in adopting your values and perspective as their own. Or at least following your lead, if they don't fully internalize it. Yeah. No. Um, There's a Caitlin Johnstone essay on this, which is pretty good. Say that again? There's a Caitlin Johnstone, her last name, J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N-E. She's mm-hmm. a Australian um, left uh, media figure. Mm-hmm. Journalist, she, rogue journalist. Yeah, she's a journalist, and she has this uh, piece on, like, spiritualism and the left, which addresses a lot of this, and talks about how it's, it's the purpose of it is in large part to, to unite these movements. Yes. To, to give them perspective and unity and clarity. On authentic spirituality, Caitlin Johnstone. Or is it some thoughts on spirituality? There's, there's quite a few, actually, she's, here. Yeah, she's done several essays on it, but they all tend to focus on fairly similar themes. 
Okay. I'll definitely I'll, I'll definitely check that out. I'll definitely yeah. check that out. But yeah, but I you know, to me that is um which is funny because like, you know, like a lot of left wing people, I was on this journey of really turning away from religion and spirituality, um, only to realize, like many others, I was simply substituting the things that I was looking for from from the church and religion. It's just that I happened to realize the church was the Bible and shit and all that stuff was bullshit, but I was still just kind of reaching around in the dark and didn't have a strong sense of direction and kind of had to just put it together. And, um, you know, this is just kind of the result of what I've seen put it together is that I had to be seduced and compelled to go along with certain things um, that I, that I, you know, uh, that I saw as being beneficial for me to adopt. And as you go along and experiment and try different things, you realize, okay, this really wasn't working out like I thought it would, or this, maybe I'll incorporate more of this thing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, me, I was, I have a somewhat unusual background. I was raised as a non-religious person by parents who had also been raised as non-religious folks. Oh. And they, in, in the seeking to fulfill that void of, you know, a spiritual dimension to one's life, mm-hmm. raised me in the tradition of the Unitarian Universalist Church, which, it's What's like church without the God stuff, basically. So what do y'all... I guess secular humanism, basically. So, okay, okay. So like, gonna... you know, like the the meme version of describing the values of the church is don't be a dick and recycle. <laughs> you know, like an environmentalism and the beliefs in social justice and that sort of shit. Yeah, you know, there, there was some organization within the church like, against the Iraq War, and you know, they're they're generally on the left, but yeah. Okay. I don't know. I like, like they, they're like, find your own spiritual truth and everything. And I'm like, all right, well, um, I really don't want to be here on Sundays. And they're like, <laughs> go and do as you see fit. And get the hell out of here. <laughs> see you in hell. <laughs> oh, they also don't believe in hell. They don't believe in heaven or God or hell. They're oh, just, excellent. Yeah, it's it's just sort of like a, like the, the absence of religion for people who miss being part of an organized religion. I don't know. They taught me how to sing. I got that out of it. Hey, I, I also got to take a tour of all these different churches and shit. Oh my god! Like being being like an eleven year old raised in that environment and then going to look at the mega church. Mm-hmm. Funniest shit in the fucking world. What oh, was man. your impression? What was your, like your first impression? Um. Well, the pastor was just giving this uh, big old rant about how he had been going for a drive in his car and how the GPS kept sending him in uh, the wrong directions, mm-hmm. and then he just turned the entire rest of the sermon into this sexist tirade against his GPS. And I'm like, wow, he personified it as a woman, and then proceeded to sexism it for a full 30 minutes. Ah, okay. And you know, he was he was he was funny and he was entertaining, and he had <laughs> he definitely understood like the the elements of like uh, you know public speaking and presentation mm-hmm. and theater. But I was like, wow, this guy's a fucking moron. <laughs> And they, they took us to see the Buddhists, and they had this one-room shack off the side of a minor highway. And they were really chill, but they were fucking totally lame. It was like a bunch of white Buddhists in southern Maine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, what do you get? What do you get? What do you get? <laughs> Unfortunately, not a lot of um, – uh, uh, that's all you're going to get throughout Maine. Yeah. yeah we, in we general. Did go to in a general. synagogue, though. The synagogue was fun. There was a lot of singing and clapping and shit. Mm-hmm. That one was fun. I've always, oh yeah, I went to a bar mitzvah one time. That shit was great. I love that. If you ever get the chance to go to a bar mitzvah, I mean, probably your audience is a little bit older, but shit's shit's a lot of fun. Go do it. You will not regret it. 
I bet because I mean they always seem so festive, and that's the thing about a lot of those. Um, if about you're really lucky, they'll put you on the chair and they'll do the little chair dance thing. Oh my I god, that's so fun! I might be scared about that. Like you said, a lot of them are a little on the older side. I don't know how uh, <laughs> that they kept up on their upper body strength, on their lifts and their gains. Um, and there's this like this like virtuosic dancing, which oh my god, it's it's hilarious. They like like oh, yeah. they kneel down really low and they're doing like these kicks. I'm like, how are they getting back up? Like yeah, oh yeah. <sighs> See that's yeah. and that's and that's the interesting thing. Once again, um, yep. is that like. You know, you gleam because it's like, yeah, we walk away from religion, you walk away from things, but you still realize like, oh, okay, you know, still at least I got these good habits or that there were still these, these, these things, you know, certain things still hold up after the fact. Yeah. Um, and then you like, because I'm looking at like Unitarian Universalism and it's like one of the first things it's saying is that like, oh, you know, they include agnosticism, humanism, Judaism, and then like Taoism and Sikh and a whole bunch of other shit I never even heard of. Like yeah. Omnism, Baha'is, syncretism. Um, all kinds of shit. So basically what their their approach is kind of like almost what I'm talking about, which is just like take the bits and pieces and shit that you think are valuable and leave the rest. Yeah. And it's all sort of wrapped up in a general hu- uh, humanist like viewpoint. Mhm. Mhm. So but it's like they also have a church, which I I'm not convinced that you still need the church. That might that might mm-hmm. be something that's like uh we don't need to do it that way anymore, like having the Olympics like move around all the time. We probably don't need to do that anymore. That's just kind of stupid. Well, I think it is good to have like a specific place like yeah. you can that you can consistently go to. Um, yeah. you know, obviously it won't be like a, a a church per se, but I think that it is good to have like, you know, if you, whatever activities you want to do, you know, what I'm saying just having the space available to do that. Yeah. You know. I'm definitely with that. Well, so, if I was ever to have children and be forced to take them to a church, it would probably be that church. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad I learned about that because I'd heard of Unitarianism, but I hadn't heard of Unitarian Universalism. Oh, um, it's they're the same thing in some contexts, and Unitarianism is also just a general philosophical term in some contexts. Ah, okay, because that because I'm from the name, it sounds like it's more taking like a unit. I get basically instead of there, the there Trinity, were two instead of the Trinity, movements that merged the Universalists and the Unitarians. Right, but from the Unitarian name, my guess is that like it's a Christian religion, but that they don't look at God as a Trinity. They look at him as they look at it at the figure of God as just one entity, as opposed to being split into three different things: the Holy Trinity. Yeah, we didn't have the magical bird Jesus or magical bird God at um, the Unitarian <laughs> Church. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, look, I it's getting late. I know for you, so um um. Well, well, unfortunately, we weren't able to get to guns and, and, and all that stuff, but that could be something we get into on another time. Um, yeah, I'd be happy to do it again. Yeah, but since we're on this strain of religion, one thing that I just wanted to add that was kind of a revelation to me, and it's kind of funny because like, of all the other ways that I've been able to criticize religion and walk away from it, yeah. one of the things that I was not – that just kind of clicked with me like a couple of days ago was how the origin story in Genesis in the Bible, the fall of man – and how Eve got the apple, the serpent, or whatever, that shit is an inherently anti-intellectual, anti-enlightenment. Um, like yeah. the, whole, the whole premise of that shit is anti-intellectualism and anti-enlightenism, which is no, 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 don't go towards the light. Stay in the dark and allow yourself to be led by this figure who you're convinced or whatever will only lead you in the right way. Yeah. Right, Pat? It's inherently about – it's inherently about – being 
moving away from uh, critical analysis, self-reflection, um, consideration that you might be wrong. Uh, and it just kind of the supremacy of the word of God. Or in other words, the supremacy of the Pope. Yeah. Or, the king, pope. or, the, or the king. Yeah. You know? Or the, the, you know, according to the divine right of the kings, the, the man that God conferred um, being in charge of y'all's ass to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, if, if you're doing reinterpretations of the book of Genesis, you get to some pretty goofy places pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, I mean oh, the thing man. is, oh, dude, I mean, you don't even have to reinterpret it the, on its face. It's oh, but it's fun face. to. It's so fun to. Oh, of course. Oh, okay. uh, but that was, um. But the entire because, Garden of Eden was just, you know, God setting up like a clone cest scenario so we could watch from behind bushes <laughs> or whatever. Like, seriously, like, if I'm supposed to believe, if I'm supposed to believe that, oh, you only made. You know, one pair of everything or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Uh, you made a finite number of these groups. Then basically what you're saying is that, like, all species and shit were engaging in incest. Yeah. Yep. And, like, incest, not just with their, like, brothers and sisters, but with their literal clones. The with their clones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, one of my favorite posts that was put up uh, was that somebody said that, like, oh, if you really want to piss off Christians, tell them that Eve is actually a transgender um, it's actually like transgender and shit because of the way that she comes from, because of the way that she's literally made from the rib of Adam. She's basically, like you said, she's a clone. She's a female clone of Adam. Um, and, and I forget exactly the meme and shit, but it was basically just a way to like, oh, this is how you can piss off Christians and shit by like this reinterpretation of what Eve's role in, is and, and, and what she is. Well, I mean, uh, the, the, the Bible does not hold up under scrutiny. I mean, we, 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 oh, could, no. we don't need to go through the whole thing, but as much as I would love to and would draw uh, great amusement from it, I don't think it would help you retain your audience. No, 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 no. Oh no, not at, oh no, not at all. And that's why I brought up, and that's why I brought up the the thing about the origin story about the about the about the thing because it seems so obvious right now, but for some reason it only clicked with me because you know I've gone through all those other criticisms that you can do in the Bible and whatnot, but for some reason that initial one, the very first one, the most important one, which is, well, wait a minute. So you're saying that we're punished for seeking knowledge? We're punished for seeking self-reflection? We're punished for wanting to understand more? We're supposed to just live in this fantasy of everything being with these blinders on, but it's but th but what it showed to me because I've been having these um, exchanges with some of my friends who are more religious and shit, and I was trying to get to the bottom of it, and at some point they just said, um, "I don't want to be challenged, I don't want to be questioned," because I was because it was an example of me trying to get more details about why they believe and why they do the things that they do. And they and, and at the end of it, they just kind of succumbed and just said, "I don't want to be questioned. I don't want to change my point of view. They don't want to. Some people just don't want to. They just want to be led, and they just need something that's just compelling enough for them to feel comfortable with." Yeah, I, I saw that play out perfectly. Um, I just have one little anecdote about this, and then you can wrap yeah. up what you want or whatever. So I was I was studying um, at school with some of my friends and. Like I, I had a lot of Muslim friends because they really liked my bits about Christianity. You know? <laughs> of course they did. And um, we, we, I got into it with a couple of my Muslim friends talking about the Bible and creation. My friend um, Tom Sear, who's Muslim, and my friend Amanda, who's Muslim, and I were all arguing. And like Tom Sear, he, he, he makes the point at one point that you know he knows he's not going to be able to win an argument about religion with someone who's using logic because it just doesn't work. It just right. doesn't hold up. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, Amanda keeps continuing to try to argue about, you know, her her belief and Allah and like the existence of God and how she knows it and everything. And she's like, at one point, she's just like, oh, it's 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 a force. I just I feel it. I'm like. <laughs> And every time she says something, I'm like, <laughs> and like about after 30 seconds of that, she gets pretty sick of my shit, mm-hmm. and like leaves the room and comes back like a couple of minutes later. And, like she's pretty, she's pretty pissed off about it. Like it, it didn't ruin our friendship, but like it, it pretty narrowly didn't ruin our friendship. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's that's and, the frustrating thing because oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I mean, it was just like the 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 difference between those two. Like Tom Sears, he's very devout, but like you know, like he he wasn't about to go down that road because he's been down that road. And he know he knows what happens. Right, right. He he understands that like he he understands that like he's able to separate that like oh this is what gives him moral clarity for whatever reason, but that but that he also understands that logic is a real thing and that it exists outside of what gives him moral clarity. And that he's not equipped to be as effective in that space, you know, yeah. which that's cool. And there's plenty of religious people of all backgrounds who, who are the same. It's one of the reasons why there is a strain of intellectual rigor throughout, you know, an academic study throughout uh, uh, many of these you know, religions to a degree. But then it also lays the potential for these reactionaries who want to go and burn the fucking church, you know, literally burn the fucking schools and libraries down. Yeah. You know, um, so, so, yeah, so that was, you know, that was really interesting. And it seems like it's so like. It seems like it's something that's so basic and should be understood at the face, but for whatever reason, it's something that I've only come to more recently. And I th- and I think that part of it is kind of like, and this is probably part of like my left wing of liberal bias or whatever, is that I'm always thinking that like, oh, there's a there's a way that I can word this, or there's a there's a different way that I can put this frame a different framework to where they'll recognize the error of their way of thinking. Whereas the thing I have to understand is that like this isn't about this isn't about a way of thinking. This is about giving a level of intercontentment. This is or inter. This is about giving a sense of inner contentment and being okay with life. You know, and that when you challenge, and that some people, when you challenge them on their spiritual religious beliefs, um, it's not a logical or rational issue. It's a question of you want me to challenge what makes me feel comfortable in this life. Yeah. You know, and that's now go ahead. Oh, it's, I was just gonna say it's just so seldom like a, a productive field of debate. Like, mm-hmm. I I enjoy it so much, but I I've, I've made myself stop doing it because it always just uh, people Into always repeat. Place. Yeah, they they repeat the religious arguments that their like pastors or like imam or whoever or their mm-hmm. rabbi taught them to, and then I'm always like, well, what if God's insane? And they're like, ah, mm-hmm. no. What if like, God's a like, chick? <laughs> Yeah, they, they don't want to talk about it anymore. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, they just dead the conversation. It's just, oh, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Uh, yeah. So now I have to preemptively be the person who doesn't want to talk about it. Exactly. <laughs> you already know where the road is going to go, and you can't entertain the bullshit. Yeah. And also because it's, I don't know, like, it, it once you win every argument, it's not fun anymore. You know, it's, you know what? And as a matter of fact, that's kind of the reason why, like, uh, some of those people I recently had to like just stop fucking with them because I kind of realized in myself that I was like, okay, I'm just kind of doing this for amusement at this point. I'm just kind of doing this to yeah. egg them on and to get like... And even though it's fun, it's really bad <laughs> politics and we shouldn't do it. It, it. Seriously, seriously. Even though it's fun. It even though it's fun. fun you know? It's so much fun. It is. But it's so anti-dialectical, rather. 
Yeah, exactly. But at the same, but once again, some people, if they want to keep those blinders on, if they don't want to listen, then you deserve to be mocked and reminded of that shit every day. Yeah. Also, you shouldn't make fun of cute Muslim girls that you're into. It doesn't. It doesn't work out. You shouldn't make any. You shouldn't make fun of anybody cute you're trying to smash. Yeah. It, 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 just, it's, it doesn't work. It, doesn't it, does, work it does. It does. It usually doesn't work until after the fact. Until you, uh, even if you're making funny lightsaber noises, it doesn't work. <laughs> Yeah, you need a different approach. Different approach. Yeah. You need to hit her. You need to get to her from the. You need to always maintain the high ground. Yeah. <laughs> Stand on a desk. Stand on a desk. Always, I always have the dominating position. Um, uh, all right. Yeah, but in any case, this yeah. has been great. I appreciate this. We're just over uh, three hours. Um, almost three, almost three and a half hours, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, so, any did you want to plug anything? Your, your Instagram or any work you're going, you're doing on a Medium article or something? Um, no, nah, I don't really have a media presence. The world doesn't need an army of Kyle Kalinskis, and like, I know I could probably do a better job than that, but like, eh, I don't have a media presence. Like, meh. make one, man. It also, you know, it's you never know when it starts. Some people made their name off of Twitter, some off of IG, some off of Reddit. You know, you never, yeah, you never maybe. know. Got to put yourself out there. But um, yeah. they still putting off fireworks. Goddamn. Did you hear that shit? Did you hear that? I did. I heard that. I heard that over the microphone. God damn. Um, In any case, I appreciate you. We went through a lot of topics. I feel like I really dove into them in a significant way. And Yeah. um, Yeah. Well, I'm starting on a new book about the Afghanistan shit, so if I'm not (laughs) finished by then, I can give you some more um, shit when I finish my book. Bro, the, the thing I was going to say about that is continue to put that shit together and make like a video essay or something because there's always people that are learning. There's always somebody who's just learning about that shit for the first time. And, if, if and there's you, always someone on YouTube doing a worse job of trying to teach people. Exactly. So if you can get in that space and, and, and you know what I'm saying, make yourself a go-to figure for understanding this shit in the way that you do, that would be a great benefit. That would be good praxis, comrade. Very oh. good practice. Oh, thank you, comrade. Well, I'll, I'll have to consider it then. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, All that's right. been episode 11 of It's All Related Podcast featuring Neil. And uh, appreciate you, and we'll talk to you later. And uh, hope you all enjoy. Yep. Goodbye. All right. See you. Thanks, man. <laughs>